got uh, a couple things here before we get into the message that I want to uh, take care of. For some of you, you may have noticed uh, that we had, uh, you may not have noticed because he wasn't standing over here, uh, but Chip was here this morning. Did you know, did you pick up on that? Chip has been gone. Yeah. Chip has been uh, on his sabbatical that we, uh, that we sent him on and his back, back in the saddle. Uh, it was great. Monday, I had uh, missed a call from him, but he left a voicemail and I got to hear his voice and it was like, oh, cool, this is great. But uh, what made me not break down like in hysterics and tears and so glad he was back is we actually had uh, some great volunteers and people that helped to, to make that happen. And there are two of them that kind of led the charge for this that I want to uh, celebrate and say thank you to. So we've got a little bit of uh, something uh, for, for you guys. Um, so ladies first, uh, Mandy. So we have something. You, don't, you can come up. Yeah, you don't have to. Um, you got to act surprised. You have to give that back to me, though, and not open it and act surprised in second service. Okay? All right, cool. Uh, and Rex, uh, as well, is back there. Yes on lights uh, this morning. Uh, I'll hold on to yours. Actually, I might keep yours, so if you forget about it. Um, uh, Mandy and Rex just did an amazing job tag teaming, and um, I could spend probably the, my time up here just talking about all the things that they did, but uh, they did a fantastic job with that, and we're really uh, grateful uh, for them and them stepping up during that time. As a kid, one of the things that I learned very quickly, having the last named last name that begins with the letter Y, is that I don't like to be picked last. Uh, I also discovered that on the playground as well. I don't know if you've ever, any of you ever been in that position, Adria mentioned been, being picked last for kickball, where you were the kid, like everybody was kind of like picking around. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, you, could, you could have been the best kickball player out there, but there's like this political structure when it comes to the playground. I don't know if you're, if you're not best friends with one of the team captains or if you're the new kid uh, or maybe you, you just aren't that great at kicking or catching or anything like that. Uh, maybe, maybe you didn't get picked. One of the reasons I didn't like being a team captain is I knew how that felt to not be, <laughs> not really be wanted, you know, to be on the team. And so I didn't want to put anybody else in that position as well to feel like they weren't being included. Uh, it can be painful to be the last kid in something. Now, you would think that only happens to people who uh, maybe aren't good, and so that's what maybe it was a, a different thing, but, but it even happens to the best and most talented of us. Some of you, uh, I'll show you this picture. Does anybody know who this is? Nobody? All right. This is Trey Quinn. He was selected in the 2018 NFL Draft, and he is known as Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant in the NFL Draft is the person who is the last person drafted, all right? And so, like, back in the 70s, whoever that was began to get that nickname because you think, oh, man, he's 256th. He's the 256th pick. There's probably no way that he's going to see any playing time or anything like that, and so it can happen to even some of the best uh, athletes that are out there, even some people who are incredibly uh, talented are not included sometimes. And it can be kind of a, a rough feeling. And you may not know, but up until this point, as we've been talking about Acts and the church beginning, is that most of us in this room have not yet been included. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 10 this morning, and uh, you can turn in your Bibles to that if you want to. But if you have no 
uh, Jewish heritage in your family line, um, you, if you were, we were living back when the early church started, you and I have not yet been included in all the things that have been going on in the church. I don't know if you knew that or not. So this, uh, this morning, our word, the one word that we're going to be looking at is inclusion, being included or incorporated into a group. And so let's start reading and see how the invitation comes and why we are now a part of the kingdom. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. This is kind of a strange beginning to the chapter simply because of who Cornelius was. Cornelius is a Roman. He is not a Jewish person, and so it doesn't seem like up to this point most of the Bible has to do and centers around the Jewish people and what God was doing uh, through, through his people, through Jesus, and all the things that happened in the Old Testament. And so Cornelius is introduced, the centurion, um, and he lives in Caesarea. It's an important city, a center of Roman activity, and that's great. He was, uh, he was in the Roman army, uh, but for all intents and purposes, that introduction doesn't cause him to stick out when it come, other than the fact that he is not a Jew when it comes to this chapter. In verse 2, we keep reading and we find some more interesting information. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. This is kind of strange. It's not normal. In fact, uh, God-fearing means that he, he actually worshipped the God of the Jews, but he stopped just short of fully becoming a proselyte of Judaism by not being circumcised, which makes total sense to me. Uh, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear, as you do when an angel come, comes and visits you. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. All right, kind of a strange encounter here, but take note, if you will, and this is just kind of a side, side note, take note of what caused Cornelius' life uh, to be the one that God singles out for this moment. Think about how his life is defined as devout and God-fearing. He's giving generously to those in need, and he's praying to God regularly. And this was considered a memorial offering to God, and God singles him out to set the stage to invite all of us that are not Jews into the kingdom. And he says, send for Peter. You remember him. He's one of Jesus' disciples. He's the one that gave the first ever sermon. 3,000 people were added to the church in that day. He was the guy who was arrested for teaching and preaching about Jesus, sharing the gospel. And he said, it doesn't matter if you arrest me or beat me or whatever's going to happen. I'm going to continue to do this. That Peter, he's hanging out about 30 miles south in Joppa. There's a map right here. Uh, this is a very technical map, uh, but about 30 miles, 24 miles uh, south, he was in Joppa, and he was talking about his favorite subject. He's sharing Jesus with the people there. It's about a two-day's walk. And Cornelius is faithful. He, he decides, even though this is probably not a normal experience for him, is, hey, I'm going to send a couple people south to Joppa to find this guy named Peter. And on their way, Peter is having his own interesting experience. At about noon, in verse 9 in chapter 10, the following day, as the men that Cornelius had sent were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. 
He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He must have been real hungry. I don't know, I don't know what's going on there, but he must have been ex- exceptionally hungry. He saw heaven open, so while he's dreaming, he sees heaven open and something like a large sheet being led down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, I get this sounds like a weird dream, but this might be the most important dream in the Bible. Let me, let me share with you why. As Peter's having this dream, it, it might be tough for you to picture what's happening here. So I'm going to give you a picture of what the sheet looks like. It's coming down. Um, it's a sheet. It's white and uh, red, checkered. Um, and so as it's coming, as it's coming down, uh, white and red, in the center, so there's all kinds of different animals, you know, that are, that are represented there around this white and red checkered sheet that's coming down. In the middle, though, uh, there's a light from heaven shining down into the middle, and there's a very specific four-footed animal that's right there in the middle, and, and you can kind of like, as the heavens open, the light is shining here, you hear the, ah, you know, happening as well as, the, as this is coming down. So I'm just trying to give you a, a visual of what's happening here, and that the animal that's there in the center is the pig. The pig. And, and here's, here's why this might be the most important dream of the Bible. And we're talking about inclusion, right? Is that bacon is now included. It is no, can we celebrate? It, it is, welcome to Bacon Sunday, yes. Welcome to Bacon Sunday at Velocity. You may have come in and noticed that we had bacon out instead of our usual uh, donuts and, and fruit and that kind of thing. Well, this is the moment where everything changes. All right, you thought this was going to be something spiritual. You know, no, it, this is, okay, it's not just about bacon. But, man, it's pretty excited. Bacon, you add bacon to everything, and it's just better, right? Uh, well, originally, there were dietary restrictions for the Jewish people. Uh, the foods that came down were not considered to be kosher. You guys have heard of that, right? We even say uh, that something's okay when it's kosher. Well, that refers to uh, Jewish dietary laws. And so God was, was giving this dream to Peter to teach him something. See, I think, I think Peter, he was hungry. He was thinking, man, this must be a test. I'm starving. I'm hanging up here. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to concentrate, spend time with God in, in, in communion and communication with him. And I think Peter, at the beginning, he thinks, well, this is a test. Like, even though I'm starving, will I eat bacon? You know, <laughs> some of us are like, of course. Like, just do it, man. Just sin. You got you to gotta go for it. And he thinks, no, 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 okay, God's testing me here. I'm going to be strong. But God's not testing Peter. He's teaching him a lesson. And this is part one, is that things are changing. And God is, is, is changing not just food, but who the gospel is for. Part two of the lesson is walking up to Peter's sidewalk and about to ring the doorbell. The men from Caesarea, from Cornelius, show up, and they show up at his door, and these are the men that God sends Peter with and says, hey, I'm sending a couple people with you, and you need to go with them and discover what's about to happen that's going to change everything. 
And Peter has some really bizarre and supernatural things that have happened to him. And at this point, he recognizes that this prompting of the Holy Spirit is worth following just like everything else he's experienced up to this point. He goes with them and they travel back to Cornelius' house. He walks in and Cornelius, remember his whole family, they were God-fearers. And he invited tons of people to his house to experience whatever was going to happen with Peter. Family, friends are there. And Peter walks in and he says, you know, we're not supposed to hang out with each other. You guys are Gentiles. Sometimes Gentiles are called dogs. You know, you're people, you're all the other nations that are not a part of this set-apart nation of God. And I'm not really even supposed to hang out with you, but here I am. God has told me that I shouldn't call anything that he's called clean, unclean. And he's teaching me this lesson. Things have become clear to Peter. Just as he was telling them the items on the sheet were no longer unclean, these people and this community, this restriction that they felt that they had, that had led to, led to hatred, led to racism, like, which was never supposed to be the case, was now being changed. The wall is being torn down, and this is the day of inclusion. In verse 34, Peter begins to speak, and he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And that's kind of his introduction to another gospel message and teaching about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel, the kingdom of God that has come to this earth. In verse 42, he says, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And I want to pause just to highlight the significance of this moment. Because I think a lot of us can think of moments of time and history that changed everything. Even as we just look at our corner of the world, you think about um, the assassination of JFK. Maybe that's something you experienced. You remember that experience of hearing about that, where you were, what happened. The, the moon landing. It's a big deal. You remember where you were at that experience. 9-11. I still remember where I was, what I was doing, what was happening. If something has happened in your family or in your childhood or at school or at work, whatever it is, that just it was a moment that kind of defined the future. It changed your reality from what was to what is. And that is this moment where everything up to this point had excluded the rest of the world in terms of how the followers of Jesus thought about what God was doing. This is the moment where everything changed. And the gospel became what it is today, a message of inclusion. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And see, this, this, really, isn't, this really isn't a change in God's plan. So if you continue to read back and see what he was doing in the Old Testament thousands and thousands of years ago, there's a conversation that he had with one of the patriarchs of the Jewish nation, Abraham. 
And as he's talking to him and he's explaining what he is going to do through his life, he says in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham didn't know what that meant, but he lived his life in faithfulness to God. Abraham has no clue what has happened throughout history, not, not from a standpoint like he didn't know at that point what that was going to mean for, for the entire world through, throughout history, that this is going to happen, that by all peoples being blessed, there's a literal like global phenomenon that happened when Jesus came that changed the face of reality as, as humankind has experienced it. But still in faithfulness, he followed what God had called him to do. He was faithful with his kids. He was faithful with what he taught and how his family and how his servants and all the people that were around him. There were multiple leaders like this throughout the Old Testament. Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samuel. There were kings like David and Solomon and Hezekiah that followed him. There were priests and prophets who helped the nation stay on track with God's standards of holiness. They weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, in fact, there are huge sections throughout the Old Testament in which the nation of Israel fell away from God and they had to be brought back to him. But God always preserved a remnant because it was always God's plan to include everyone. He used this set-apart nation throughout history as an incubator for his master plan to keep this promise through Abraham that he was going to bless all people through him. And here it is. Cornelius, the Gentile God-fearer, gets a visit from an angel. And from this point forward, Peter and the rest of the apostles and the disciples realize that the gospel is for everyone. God opens the door to the rest of the world and says, I've been preparing a place for you. This is for you. Those of you who felt like you're excluded those of you that have felt like you're on the outside looking in, this is for you. This is what the church is all about. It's the opportunity for people to be included in God's promise. It's why Jesus came in the first place, to invite the world into the promise God made to Abraham. This type of inclusion changes our identity. It changes how we think about ourselves. It changes how we think about other people. For example, no longer is Cornelius the Roman centurion or is Peter the Galilean fisherman. They're now brothers in Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, Paul writes, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. For centuries, God has prepared to open this invitation to his love to the nations, that all people would be blessed. And right here in the home of a Roman soldier, a guy named Cornelius, with a guy named Cornelius, it happened. And here's, here's the reminder this is for us today. And here's why I think this is so important for us to be uh, brought back into the story with Cornelius and Peter's experience with the sheet. The gospel includes those we would exclude. 
the, the people that we might think is like, no, this, this is not something that's going to make a difference in life, or no, they're too, they're too far away, uh, this, this, could never, this could never happen uh, for, for them. The gospel includes those we would exclude. It's instructive how we think and treat other people or what we would wish would happen to them or how we talk to them, how we interact with others. I mean, Peter came one dream away from ruining bacon for the rest of us, you know, because of his attitude, because of the way that he was thinking about what God was doing. Oh, this might be a test, you know, for me. And I, No, it was a lesson to teach him that everyone has an opportunity to fear God and do what is right. And so what we do as Christ followers is we spend time just the way that Peter did in his life to have the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to spark that movement in our lives to be able to share that same message. Peter was spending time in prayer. And, and it's, interesting. it's not just one of those like we sit down and pray before our meals like, Dear God, thank you for our food. And that's great. I mean, do that. But he's like going away and saying, I'm going to spend some, some real one-on-one time with God praying. Simply, we're, we don't know what he was praying about, but simply praying that God's will would be done. Praying for that opportunity. And, and Peter didn't just do that, but he gave time for that opportunity as well. Is Who knows what his schedule had going on? I'm sure he didn't write in his planner that he was going to take a two-day journey out of his way 25 miles south to hang out with people he had never met, with people who up to this point in his life had always been taught he shouldn't associate with. And yet he dropped everything to have this opportunity to share the gospel with these people that he would have normally excluded from his life. And so the question for us is, is there someone in our lives that God is prompting you to include when it comes to the gospel. This inclusion shows that God is for us. And this is significant because there are a lot of people that go through life and live through life that don't think God wants anything to do with them, that, that think that God's message is actually more exclusionary than it really is. You may have had times where you felt like God was out to get you. And let's be real, there's some... Christians and religious people who have kind of propagated that idea for others. Even Peter, right, had grown up to, in some cases, treat the Gentiles as being less than and people not worth associating with. The good news is that God is for us, and he always has been. And he's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for faithful people. And that's always been true. It's true with Abraham. It's true with Cornelius. It's true with Peter. God showed up in Cornelius' life because Cornelius was faithful. And that opportunity exists for all of us and for the people who are in our lives that need to hear this message. Inclusion also shows that God is faithful, that God promised that he would bless all nations. And I get that sometimes we think, God's not working fast enough. And maybe as you look through the course of the Old Testament history and the New Testament coming in, you realize there's thousands of years between this promise of, to Abraham saying, I'm going to bless all peoples through you. And Abraham didn't have a clue of how, how, that, how that was going to work out. And yet look at where we are today. 
took generations to develop. But, but who of us would like turn back the clock on that and say, no, it, it didn't happen quick enough, so we're going we're gonna to not accept it. God has promised that if we trust him, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. There's never been a promise that God has broken. So inclusion shows us that God is faithful, this promise being lived out. The third thing um, that this story points out to us is that it shows that we've been included. And I know that sounds kind of weird. It's like, aren't you repeating something? No, this is, there's, there's something very specific here that I, that I want you and I to understand and be reminded of. Whether or not you think you've been picked, you're, you're, in, you're in the game. Whatever your level of faithfulness looks like right now is a part of the equation of what God is doing throughout history and throughout the world. There there are no neutral people when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to living out our faith. We're all included. What God is doing through us, what we're choosing to do, how we're choosing to be faithful to him, like we're already in the game. And so if that's the case, and it, and it is, the question for us, maybe the inspiration for us is to consider like, okay, what does that look like? Am I being faithful with how the Holy Spirit is prompting me to be included, to invite others into this inclusion. The gospel is an exclusive invitation that includes everyone. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You and I, we know that truth. We have the opportunity to share that truth. The church exists as the hands and feet of Jesus to extend that invitation of inclusion to everyone in our lives. Let's be about that. Let's recognize that we are in that God has invited us there. He's empowered us to be able to share that same message, message with others. Let me pray for us. God, I, I ask that um, you make the opportunities that we have to share the gospel clear to us so that we can see whoever the Cornelius is in our life. And God, help us to um, maybe uh, change, shift our perspective just a little bit with people that maybe even specifically we don't think belong or that could be included. Let us not give up on people. Let us not give hope. Um, God, inspire us to see how your message of inclusion has changed our lives and how it can change the other lives of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.